Hello everyone, Susan Hopkins here and welcome back to the Self Reg Show. I'm here with Stuart Shanker again today and I just want to tell you this is the show where we explore, unpack, learn, apply, have conversations about all things Self Reg, which is, of course is the lifelong work of, uh, of you, the amazing Dr. Stuart Shanker. So welcome Stuart. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are we're we allowed fine. to tell everybody that this is New Year for you and me? <laughs> this is New Year for us. So we're filming this in early 2023. We know you're going to be watching it whenever you whenever you watch or listen to your podcast. But for us, it is it is a fresh new year. How are you feeling about the new year, Stuart? Optimistic. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I have I don't know that I have ever been as happy to see a year change. <laughs> I know, you know, that might sound, uh, there, you know, we've all had rough, rough years the last, or many of us had the last few years, but all of us had those sorts of years in our, in our lives. But 2022 was yeah. one, you know, no regrets. That's how we grow. Right. But I was really happy to see <laughs> tick 2023. And uh, I think there's a lot of heads nodding right now. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with your, your, you know, your mention of optimistic, I think, Self-reg is always hopeful, uh, and it's hopeful not just in that, um, you know, you know, rose-colored glasses kind of way. It, like the science, it's you know, the science and the people. It's so much more, you know. There's so many layers to it, but it's always hopeful because, um, well, for me, one of the things is that unsticks and actually helps me figure out what I can work on, uh, you know, and uh, gets me out of that self-control mindset, which we're going to talk about a bit today here. Uh, but it's also just hopeful in the sense that, uh, you know, it's path forward and we're seeing changes, maybe not as fast as we would like to, but we're seeing that hope sort of spark all over the place. But there is this movement. I can feel this momentum. You know, there's a democracy is a big, uh, a big area. Oh for you and you've done podcasts on that. We'll, we'll make sure to link those uh, for folks. So it's been something that you've been grappling with for a long time. So there's that, <laughs> that is moving long way to go, <laughs> but is moving. It seems to be the momentum is moving. You know, yes. we don't feel the loners <laughs> over on one side. It just seems to be shifting in, in yes. a healthy way, uh, but there's so many other things. There's so many other things. What are you most excited about in the coming year? Probably the uh, the Canadian uh, men's juniors game. So for anyone for anyone watching, this is a big deal for Canadians. Hockey is always in your heart. That's taking place in my hometown, Halifax. Am I yes, right about that? Yes, or, it is. I would hate to get that wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, very exciting. You know, my 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 hope I think goes to um, really I I as, as somebody who's you know. I identify as an educator first and foremost, I think is always how I sort of boil down who, you know, that part of who I am, I guess. And I've just seen and experienced and felt so many struggling educators for so many years. And I know it's still, it's still ongoing. I saw the stats on the U S and the number of, uh, I think it was something like 50,000 people had 50,000 educators. I might have the numbers wrong, but a huge number had left the profession and it was down to like a quarter of what normally comes in in a year. You know, that yes. it, it's wear and tear on you. And so uh, I think there's a long way to go there. And look, I, I'm 
I think the education system needs changes too, but we, until we put the heart, you know, the people are the heart of it. And, uh, and that's a big, really important thing. If we're worn out, worn down, uh, you know, <laughs> how are we going to show up for your kids? And that's, a, it's, it's just such an important thing that is part of the, of the puzzle. And I'm, I'm hopeful around that. I'm hopeful. I'm feeling shifts personally. Uh, this is, you know, anecdotal, but I am noticing in my interactions, both online and in the, the various things that we do in courses and, um, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff that we do in, in our work, trying to uh, bring self rag to the world and anybody who will listen, um, I'm noticing a particular shift in Canada and yeah. that I haven't seen yet in the U S and look, this is, oh, that's a really, yeah, that's a really big blanket statement. Um, because of course there's people at all different sorts of places, but I'm feeling a momentum. It's, I don't want to put it, everybody all in one basket on either side of, uh, of our border here. Uh, but I'm feeling a momentum in, on the Canadian, in, in, in the, in the Canadian interactions, um, that I, I, it was, is is hopeful because it's just like, it feels yeah, like getting you. back, you know, getting back to education. And, uh, anyway, I'm very hopeful. It feels like it was needed to be a new year and it is. And, uh, winter is that lovely time for, uh, reflection, for learning a little bit of, of hibernation, getting ready for uh, our favorite season of spring. And uh, that's just what it's all about. So we are actually talking about this topic. Now, look, folks, if you're watching this as they release, um, you're going to be seeing this at the end of January. Uh, and if you don't know when they're releasing, you're just sort of randomly coming across them, please go to our website, uh, self-reg.ca. We have updated it this fall. There are, um, based on feedback we've gotten from our community on ways to make it um, more easier to navigate, if you will. And there's still lots, of, tons of content, but go and have a look because it has changed. Uh, we welcome your feedback, but it's also a place where you can sign up for our, our newsletter and just get on the list and you'll never miss when something something's coming. So, uh, you know, the end of January is an interesting time because January traditionally is the month of, you know, of, of New Year's resolutions. Okay. So we're filming this. It's January 5th, I think. And, and it's like, you know, many people have made resolutions. I've done that myself in the past, Stuart. Uh, and, I, I actually always preferred a September. It always felt a better time for me to kind of think about things I wanted to work on. Um, but I'm well aware of this, oh, this year I'm going to run the marathon. I'm going to lose these pounds. I'm going to study this. I'm going to, I said to you this morning, I'm going to get here on time. <laughs> Something I challenge with. I'm, you know, I, I, it's a struggle for me, um, you know, and I'm well aware of those and, and also the shortfalls of them, because that I, I know, um, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about this, but the, the idea of more, of more lists for things that we need to do all sounds great and we can do it. We have enough self-control to do it until we don't. And then out the window it goes and we're beating ourselves up and, you know, self-reg really got me off that, um, off that hamster wheel. But today we're going to be talking uh, about a self-reg lens on an area related and yet refreshingly <laughs> and it is uh you know we're titling it you can't pour from an empty cup the first person that i ever heard use that language was uh the amazing uh, she's now a principal but she's been uh, all sorts of things in education kathy lethbridge because we we've, we've talked before about you know that metaphor of being on the airplane 
you know, that where they say, put your mask on first before you put your mask on your child is kind of the idea. And it's just, you know, it's that metaphor of you've got to be in enough balance, or we'll talk about how you see that um, before you can actually, you know, help someone else. Uh, And she started talking about can't pour from an empty cup. I don't know if she's the originator of it, but she's certainly the first first person that that's I've ever heard say it. And it it really resonates, you know, that might sound negative because you're kind of saying, Hey, my cup is kind of empty right now. Um, It's not, it's hopeful because it shifts, uh, you know, from you trying to push your way through or do all whatever to saying, okay, the cup is a little low. (laughs) Oh, what can I do? And how can I see that differently? So that's our topic today. Do you want to, do you have anything you want to respond to with that intro or do you just want to dive us right into some thinking on this on this very theme in this January 2023 filming. Well, I want to know how much science am I allowed to do today? I I actually think this, you know, I always think the science is important even for those of you that you don't need to remember all the words, you, it's the stories and the essence of it. But I actually think the science is pretty important here, Stuart, because Um, this is one that even those of us that learn about the difference between self-regulation and self-control and misbehavior and stress behavior, which if you don't know, go back to an earlier podcast, you want to go deeper, come and take a course with the Merit Center. We have them starting every month. Um, There's something new starting and there's lots of ways to learn more. And yet we'll revert right back to making our January resolution and I'm going to do this, (laughs) you know, and, and then, and then it's often, okay, well, I want to do it in a self-regulation way, but how? And I think without understanding, um, these aren't just nice ideas. This isn't just kumbaya and, and <laughs> be kind to yourself. And, uh, you know, that it, it's situated in, in real life. You've got kids, you've got responsibilities. You can't just drop all that and go to the spa for a week. Uh, so it needs some science. So you, you go as deep in the science as you like, and I'll try to think it through on my end and keep in mind what others might be wanting to ask you. Well, I thought I'd start off. I'd tell you a short little story. Um, so I did my, I was at Oxford for 10 years. And uh, I did my graduate degree at, um, I used the library at the Math Institute. Uh, and we had a sign up at the Math Institute saying that a mathematician is a machine for converting caffeine into theorems. <laughs> So needless to say, we had a state-of-the-art coffee maker, um, and uh, um, I, uh, my love of coffee dates from that time, and um, I drank so much that uh, when I finished my defill, my wife and I took a holiday in Ireland, and we decided that uh, I would go, ca- go off coffee, coffee completely for a bit. And boy, did I ever get sick. <laughs> so it was unbelievable. Um, and so that kind of triggered my scientific curiosity. Um, I wanted to understand, you know, what the hell's going on here? Uh, to this day, I really can't start work until I've had one cup of coffee. And then I start to flag a couple of hours later and I'll have a second cup. So I was curious, um, what exactly, I mean, you know, we all know that caffeine is somehow enabling us to work, but I wanted to know why. I wanted to know what's actually going on neurochemically. So you sure you want to know? Yep. 
Okay. Yep, so we want to know. <laughs> so we've got some receptors, um, and they're all through the body, but we got a bunch of them in the hippocampus, and they're called adenosine receptors. And their function is really to um, get us drowsy, to have a nice sleep, um, to rest. And caffeine has this incredible property that the caffeine molecule has the same shape as the adenosine molecule. And so what happens is when you drink a cup of coffee, the caffeine attaches. It's like, you know, the key fitting the lock. It attaches to all these adenosine receptors and it stops the brain from producing adenosine. That's what caffeine does. It blocks it. Now, there's a problem. And the problem is the brain um, sends an emergency message. And the message says, um, basically, we're not getting any adenosine. So there must be some threat. There must be some danger. And so, you know, the brain's, it wasn't, it, it was designed pre-caffeine days. Um, and so it sends a message down uh, to the pituitary and it says, I need some catecholamines. I need adrenaline. I need epinephrine. I need it now because there has to be some threat. So that's basically why we start to feel this, this surge of energy. So really what's happening is we've tricked the hippocampus, um, which now has caused this rebound effect. And so what we're really feeling is adrenaline. Now, there's a second aspect of this. I mean, you, know, you have to be careful what you ask me to explain. The second aspect of this is... stop you for a second. You, yep. um, you amaze me. So, like, we have actually had conversations on this topic before, and, and I... I'm, that's why I, I love and I feel so honored for every conversation with you, Stuart, because I just never know where you're going to go. You literally took the metaphor of a cup. All you knew was my... the title from an empty cup and that it was connected to January. You know, I mean, you knew that. And that's all we've really talked about. And you go down this road with caffeine and I did not know what you just shared. So it's not caffeine. It, it literally is how caffeine works on our brain that... Is it actually blocks something, and then the brain jumps in and treats it like a threat response? Did yep. I hear that correctly? Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, and you're right. Wow. Uh, and you're right. I took the I took the metaphor literally. Like that's what got me thinking <laughs> about it. But, now there's a second aspect. Okay, so we actually have four. There are four of these recept four different kinds of receptors. So the ones that I just caught, these are the A1 receptors, but there's an A2 receptor. And it also gets blocked. And what that one does is, I won't go into the technical details here, but basically it stops the brain from reabsorbing dopamine. So basically your brain is, you know, we're constantly producing dopamine. We got to get rid of it. Adele Diamond has done wonderful work on, on the genetic structures that allow us to get rid of dopamine. But what the caffeine does 
is it blocks those structures. It blocks us from getting rid of the dopamine. So the dopamine starts to build up. So you're getting a double whammy here. You're getting the effects of uh, you're getting the effects of um, you know the catecholamines, the adrenaline, the norepinephrine, but you're also getting the effect that the dopamine levels in your brain start to go up. Um, have you ever noticed that when you have that cup of coffee, you really feel a bit more motivated? You feel a bit more empowered, and that's the effect of dopamine. So, and there's been some wonderful neuroscience written about this, about how the effect here is really very similar to the effect of heroin. Uh, so what we're doing is giving ourselves, I know, I know. <laughs> so... So, so it's the same mechanism, but it's just much milder. Okay, so what you're doing is you are artificially manipulating how much dopamine you have. And in fact, um, the reason why I have to have that second cup of coffee is because my do- it's, it's, it's not because I need more adrenaline. It's probably because my dopamine is starting to wear off and I want another shot of dopamine. And dopamine gives us a bit of energy, psychic energy, and that's why we feel more motivated. So, okay, why not just um, why not just drink coffee the whole damn day? And the problem now is everybody knows this. Okay, so we know that uh, we know that if you drink too much, if you have too much caffeine, meaning somewhere around over three hundred milligrams of caffeine, you start to get jittery, you get headaches. We can explain all that too, by the way, why you get jittery, why you get the headaches, because the other thing that adenosine does is it causes your um, it causes your uh, blood vessels in the brain to expand, um, and so by drinking caffeine, you're keeping your blood vessels constricted, which is why you get the headache and so on. But how long does this effect last? That's an interesting question, and the answer is about six hours. So caffeine has a half life of around six hours. Now, that means that if I have, say, 200 milligrams of coffee at 4 p.m., that at 10 p.m., I'm still going to have about 100 milligrams of caffeine circulating in my brain. That's not such a good thing. And it's not a good thing because it means I'm still pumping adrenaline, we'll say. And so that's going to interfere with a lot of things. It's going to make it harder for me to fall asleep. And we all know that. But it's also going to affect the quality of my sleep. And one of the things we know is, and I'm sort of trying to build towards a point here, uh, we know that um, for me to have restorative sleep, Okay, whatever that means, and that's really the point of Susan's topic today, restoration. So in order for me to have restorative sleep, I have to have deep sleep. So I have to be constantly, you know, shifting from light sleep into deep sleep. And we know that adrenaline prevents that. We know that what happens is that um, uh, that 
we we don't get those periods of deep sleep. We only even if we do fall asleep, it's light sleep, and we wake up and we feel like crap. So okay, so the message for everybody is: bear in mind that the half life of coffee, um, and be careful that you don't have caffeine after. Like in my case, I can't have caffeine after ten a.m. All right. So that's a nice little lecture about how caffeine works on the brain, but it raises a really interesting question. I know that I need restorative sleep in order to wake up and my cup feels full today. So I know that I know that I mustn't have caffeine late at night, but what else? I, sleep for me has, has, it's an issue and I'm pretty sure for everybody watching us, it's an issue. So what the caffeine story is telling us is that, you know, I can bypass my signals. I can play games with my brain, but it's going to catch up with me. It's going to be hard for me to fall asleep. It's going to be hard for me to have a good sleep. What else has the same effect? That's a very interesting question. And what's happening today is that we are a generation now, like Susan was joking when we started, but it's a serious joke. 2022 was a pretty tough year for everybody. And tough means that our stress levels were really, really high. And we deal with stress in the same way as having a cup of coffee. We, we trigger adrenaline, we trigger catecholamines. That's what allows us to keep going. But the problem is the same as the problem with drinking caffeine when it interferes with sleep. If I go to bed and my catecholamine levels are high, I'm going to have trouble falling asleep. Okay, so maybe I do various things. Maybe I take melatonin or maybe I have uh, a white noise machine. Somehow I get myself to be able to fall asleep. But even if I fall asleep, maybe I wake up early, I jolt awake at three in the morning, or maybe I'm able to sleep the night through, but I don't jump out of bed ready to tackle the new day. Um, I sort of, you know, grumble my way to the coffee machine. So there's a very interesting problem for us as a species. And the problem is we can have this response. We can, we can be building up catecholamines to deal with all the stresses in our life. And we don't know. We're not aware of what's going on. You weren't aware that that's how caffeine works. And you're not aware that all these stresses are building up the catecholamine levels so that by the time it comes to whatever it is you do to restore, you don't actually restore or you only partially restore. So I'll say one last thing and then throw it back to Susan. This produces or presents a really interesting challenge. And that is, how can I get 
to restoration? How can I get to how can I get to refilling my cup so that when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to use these artificial ways or that I have these reserves so I can handle whatever life is going to throw at me today? And the answer is, there's not a trick here. There's not, there's not a, you know, I can't say to you, well, if you go do 15 minutes of meditation or yoga before you go to sleep, everything's going to be fine. We need a pathway to restoration. And that's what self-reg is. Self-reg has, you know, if you're new to this, there's five steps and you'll see step four is being calm, having embodied awareness. But that is not the end state. Alan Vogel once said that to you, Susan, remember? So the, the, the point of self-reg is not how do I get calm? The point of self-reg is how do I restore? How do I fill the cup again? And one of the one of the blessings of self-reg is I mentioned a second ago, we're not aware that we're triggering these. We're not naturally aware. In fact, we're uh, nature seems to have designed us to be unaware of when we're triggering adrenaline. It's a way of keeping ourselves going. What self-reg does, it makes us aware. That's what step four is. It makes us aware, not just of what it feels like, so we tune into all these sensations, but it makes us aware of why we've been triggering these stress, the stress response. And it makes us aware of what it feels like to have, to, to go to bed in a state where you are going to have deep sleep, to wake up in the morning feeling that the cup is full, that the coffee is a, is a wonderful uh, way to start the day, but not a necessary way to start the day. Okay. <laughs> so I have so many questions and I have some really, there's some really so much packed into that, uh, that bit of science today. And just before I go, I go to, um, to a couple things to dialogue on, I just want to go back to coffee for, for a moment. So okay. uh, you, you do drink coffee. Yes, Stuart? Yes, I do. I knew I, I knew you always did, but I also know you've made some health changes in the last year or two that are even. You know, I knew there was a coffee still there. One of the messages I often share with you the little the little things that you'll mention to or share with others the little things that you'll mention to me, um, you know, just when I'm dealing with being overstressed or whatever, and uh, like I'll tell members of our team, it's like no, close the computer and put it away, and like I can't, I've got it. It's like this is what Stuart would have said to me. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, come back fresh, do it tomorrow and that kind of thing. But one of the ones I don't think I've ever told people is that you, when I'm traveling, you, cause you always ask how the talk went and you, you know, you all, you always, there's always a text or, or an email or something on, yeah. on an event. And you, you, you tell me, you've given me advice about pacing of my coffee. So I tend to have two coffees I used to drink a lot more, but I tend to have two coffees sort of in a, in a row, I guess. And you're like, no, an hour, <laughs> you know, there's a pacing to the coffee, you know, as part of my strategy. Right. So, so you, you do drink coffee. What about, so I know that there's a, 
this is going to open up um, a huge question <laughs> and probably not for today. And you may even, even want us to cut it out and make it a separate day. Um, but there's, I just want to talk about individual differences in coffee. Um, because I know many people with, with, especially with certain diagnosis and, um, you know, coffee is actually, um, you know, the, you'll, you'll see there's a, there's a forum that I follow. I follow a bunch of different groups, um, that some I self-identify with and, and others just as trying to learn and understand and make sense of. And it's this idea of just how, how important coffee is and how, what a different, um, impact it has on on many people. Um, so I'm an example of that, or I used to be. I've I I, I, I was once told I had adrenal fatigue, which was uh, you know I'm not even sure at that time. That was back in the 90s, and I'm not even. I, it was debated as if it was even a thing, uh, but it was the fact that I could drink coffee until nine o'clock at night. I could drink. I used to have cups constantly on the go. Uh, and I would still sleep. Now, in retrospect, I know I didn't wake up feeling restored, but I could certainly still fall asleep. And so I just I just want to ask about individual differences, because as you just described it, uh, you know, and it, 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 it sounds like, you know, this is just sort of part of the human condition and there's a little bit of variance, but this is how it works. So what about the difference between somebody that can't drink a sip of coffee without feeling like they're going to be peeling off the ceiling to people like me who it's actually... Uh, feels even later in the day, you, you know, or did when I was younger, it felt like it was just a really important part of keeping me in the game, if you will. Um, so I think you're exactly right. Everything you just said, and um, there's uh, ways that we can check this now, but the number one question, because um, am I not right in thinking that um, in the beginning, you used to tell me that you needed a, a small espresso in order to sleep well? Wasn't that yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. the thing now is, it's key. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So, so Susan's absolutely right about individual differences. So the question then becomes, um, how do I feel in the morning? We know that you can bypass the caffeine and fall asleep. The question is whether you have restorative sleep. Now, restorative sleep means that you have to have a low level of tension. And that means um, that you have to have a lower heart rate. And if your heart rate remains elevated because you are still in a state of heightened tension, you will not easily slip into restorative sleep. You won't make those transitions. So the new um, sleep apps are very interesting um, to see, you know, what was my heart rate uh, during the night? Because what that's really telling you, uh, so if you have a sleep app and you see that your heart rate was, you have to figure out what is your, rest, your, what is your healthy resting heart rate when you're sleeping. So let's say for the sake of argument, it's 60. And if I see that my heart rate is elevated, um, uh, say to 10%, so uh, my heart rate last night was 66, then that's telling me that my tension was high. Now, I mentioned a second ago, okay, so we're gonna be checking now. How different am I really? So. Um, if I'm if I am genuinely different, 
then my heart rate's not going to be affected by my evening drink of tea or coffee. Um, one of the things that we factor into this is we can stay in this depleted energy depleted state this this you know quasi empty cup for quite a long time so um so <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was a couple of decades for me <laughs> with little peaks of like you know <laughs> and then a crash and then and then and then you know sleep overload or getting sick now, and one of the things I find intriguing, I've been uh, talking with someone just recently um, that went, uh, uh, this is a, a, a different topic or a topic for another day, uh, but she went on a trip when I didn't think she should have because she was recovering from COVID. And, um, and uh, anyways, the long and the short of it was that about two weeks later, she got quite sick after the trip. And uh, the truth is that traveling um, can be a wonderful stress when you're healthy, right? It's a positive stress. It's exciting. You're seeing new things, new foods. But if you're depleted, then what happens is very interesting. Um, so, you know, just look at pictures of Pearson and uh, Pearson Airport and you'll see, you know, this is, this is a lot of stress. And we start... We're in now this, uh, we're in this depleted uh, quasi-empty cup state. And we're going to keep ourselves going. And uh, we're going to do it through grit. Uh, we're going to do it however. But that energy that, you know, we get from that full cup, we need it for things like our immune system. We need it for cellular repair. We need it for a lot of functions. We need it for our stomach. And so sure enough, you know, you keep yourself going, you are generating catecholamines to keep going. But in the meantime, you're wearing down. And so uh, you may not be that exception that you think you are. Um, if you find, and with you, we won't go into details here. But there were cycles, physical cycles, where it was clear that you were able to withstand the low energy state, the low glucose state for just so long. And then you paid a price. And so it's a complicated, so this is a complicated issue. Um, and so one of the things I love about Safreg is that fourth step. So we call it clear now. And the final element of step four is reflective. And we start to become really reflective about ourselves. We start to ask ourselves, how did I feel during? How did I feel after? How do I feel two weeks later? Um, and we learn. And that's one of the gifts, one of the gifts about doing self-reg. Susan mentioned right at the outset, you know, the uh, metaphor she gave about putting on your own mask before your child's. So, it, but it's not like, well, the mask just dropped down and I put it on. This is something that maybe takes an awful lot of reflection um, and we get better and better at it and deeper and deeper. So my response to your um, comp uh, complication is exactly that. Yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I've had just had like a huge ahas, uh, as I always do. So it's really interesting. Um, first of all, for those of you wondering about step four and clear, it's it's calm or calmness, listening, the ENA or embodied awareness and reflection or being reflective. And it's it as we come at this time of year and we begin to think about, you know, filling up our cup or whether you're thinking seasonally about the winter as your your time to hunker down. I, I always loved living in the north for that. It got dark, um, it got quieter, and then you're ready, you know, for blooming in the in the spring. Um, but whether wherever you're at, we tend to really focus still. This is one of the challenges. We fall back to that list of things I'm going to do and should do. And, you know, you might recognize and reduce some stress. So that's an important thing that you might be better at doing all of those good, healthy things for you um, when you're in a period that you're not working for a bit of time, for example, you know, or uh, or for whatever reason. Um, but then we miss step four and five. They become tokeny uh, for some people. Look, if you're yeah. way deep, some of you may be deeper in this than I am. I'm really living it, you know, and we and and learning all the time and thinking I understand things and then you know eating some humble pie here and there and realizing oh I could talk it I'm not doing it you know and step four is an interesting one because people always talk about it like it's our it's an alternative to some form of eastern mindfulness and look for some people mindfulness can certainly fit into that category but earlier on you mentioned alan fogel and his last book it has resilience in the title we'll have that adam make sure he puts it up there and you work have worked closely with with uh fogel and you were actually wrote the introduction to that book we did a book study on it so it's worth it's worthwhile and uh, uh even stuart just stewart's introduction is fabulous um, but the whole book you know fogel is really 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 interesting but he talks about in there this idea which is very step four of, of separating. He separates three different kinds of embodied self-awareness. There are a lot of big words in there, but the one that really kind of stayed with me was this difference. It's very aligned with self-reg in a lot of ways, this difference between mediated embodied self-awareness and restorative. And what he, he doesn't come out and, and it's not necessarily critical of, of the mindfulness movement or, you know, any of you practicing, meditation or whatever the yoga is a piece of it for me that I that I try so it's not negative those it's just we honor that it's not for everyone um and that we there's different ways that we that we might find that calm and work on the restoration but he he really says this mediated this effortful kind of control this kind of way that we're really trying hard to work on it um it, it is a state, but it is nowhere near the same as the state of that true embodied re- restriction. And I love you, you talking earlier, you've yeah. always talked about like awe being one of those examples, right? But how cool to think about this. This is my aha from today, that, that thinking about this for the coffee. So for those of you that are drinking coffee all day long, um, you know, I'm, I get in my tea as part of it. I've gotten better. I've, you know, and I'm, I'm, my sleep app is really interesting because I've learned just through Stuart and, and other things that he's thrown my way um, to you're looking for the pattern in your heart rate to be like um, like a hammock, like an inverted, you know, and when it's like this, uh, you know, this decline, it 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 means that um, that you started in an elevated state. So you had that sympathetic route to an yeah. elevated state. So I am I am getting a little bit, but, you know, I'm still kind of working on no, it. Oh, you're doing um, good. But, 
Yeah. Well, it, it, I really find it interesting. It's making my biggest challenge is where in the, the watch kind of irks me, which you've given me a solution to. Um, but what what's interesting from those of you out there that are saying, I am not giving up my coffee and he just made me think I shouldn't do coffee. It's like, no, that's actually, that is, I used the example. I think I used the words keeping me in the game. You know, most people who, who have known me would not have considered me like I didn't turn into a, a you know, a slug and go under a rock. I like powered through all kinds of stuff. It kept me in the game and realizing, but it is still doing these things to my brain. And how can I honor it and thank it and say, thank you, coffee, <laughs> you know, um, and, and what more can I learn? How can I begin to reflect, stay in that realizing that because for me it doesn't make me hyper it makes me feel it does help with focus it makes me you know it, it is also a habit it's something that just is a warm you know the warm blanket kind of feel but it was a really important piece of 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 my story I guess in a way and I think for many people it is but then how can we stay with that so let's not just put the science away and say no but this is because I have whatever you know certain characteristics or diagnosis or whatever this is necessary it's like no this is <laughs> you know, it is that mediated version. It's actually helping you. Uh, it's helping you through state, you know, and it helps with the awareness and all of those. How do we get to this genuine restoration? So I have one other point, but I just want to let you respond to anything there and correct if I've misstepped somewhere or any kind of thoughts on, on that, that idea, Stuart. I will respond, but not correct because I think you were exact bang on. Um, but I'll just tell you what I've noticed in myself. So I do the same every single day, uh, and that is I will write for three to four hours. And um, what I've noticed is that at a certain point, and it's generally around 12 o'clock, which, by the way, Susan, is why I take my walk at 12 o'clock, um, mm -hmm. I just feel like all of a sudden there's no gas in the tank. I just, I just redlined. Now, what's happened is the effect of the caffeine has at that point worn off. When I was a grad student, I would then go and have another cup of coffee. Um, and I mentioned how when I went to, when I, when we went to Dublin, I got sick. And that was, um, you don't want to abuse this system. You want to respect this system. And so now what I do is uh, when I get that sudden feeling of, oh, I can't even, I can't even remember how to spell my middle name. Um, I don't want to override it. And so it's a case of balance, isn't it? It's a case of learning. You know, I adore the effects. I adore my morning coffee. Um, and you know, it's a bit of a fetish for me but I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to abuse it the way I did when I was in grad school. So you learn to, you know, accept the signals for what they are. And when it's, when it's telling you um, that's enough, then don't try to override it at this point. And that's a real big lesson, isn't it? For another day for how we force kids to override. And it's really interesting for us with that, you know, that clear, that calm, listening, embodied awareness and reflection. It's it's in ourselves as well, right? Just being, that is that mindfulness that, you know, you speak in our courses about the difference that you yeah. go back to mind blindness versus mindfulness. But it's that, that awareness, that present moment yes. um, and just noticing. So it, becoming aware 
of how we're actually feeling. And, uh, you know, it can be, it yes. can be really, really interesting. And so for those of you listening and you were like, Oh, I'm not giving up my coffee. <laughs> you don't have to give up coffee. Becoming aware of it. And, and I know for me, one of the things that helped was noticing when the coffee wasn't for pleasure, it was almost just a habit was one yeah. thing. And getting yes. back a little more to the pleasure yes. of it. Uh, uh, this cup I drink it out of matters. I, at this time of year, I sit in front of my fire and this, and when it gets warmer, I sit outside. Uh, but I also notice if you were like, oh yeah, not my coffee. But then we're like, but our teenagers are on their computers, you know, or playing their video games all night long. And I know that's not the, the caffeine molecule. There's different science there, but it still is tapping into the dopamine system and that, you know, and realizing, okay, it's not as simple as just saying you just have to stop because it's bad for you. We all know that doesn't, it's not that simple. It's really trying to understand and what, what, what it is like that awareness. And there's, there's compassion for it. Um, and realizing, okay, there's more going on here. Um, you can't pour from an empty cup when somebody is on, uh, you know, the, like we just used coffee. Stuart went there with the metaphor. How fun is that? But there's all sorts of different ways that could be, it could be your Netflix binge watching, which we suddenly normalized as being like a cool thing. It's actually, you know, it's tapping into some of the same systems in some of the different ways. Trying to understand, that's what, why self-reg starts with, with step one, reframing, trying to understand what's going on and what, what need is it feeling? Um, and, and think about it a little bit differently. And, you know, years ago I asked you, cause I was where I I'm always working so hard. I think if one of my issues, my biggest challenges is, is trying to not try so hard and like sometimes then I can get I can get stuck and that's I feel that I felt that this last year quite a bit Um, but nobody will ever have to come and tell me what you know what I need to do I'm really I try too hard right but I remember saying to you I'm trying to get out of this get feeling better but all the things I know you know all the good things that are good for me which it's the same whether you have a self-control or a self-regulation lens in some senses, drink some water, eat healthy food, nourish your body, move, get some, all these things do have, you know, they have a positive impact on you being able to find your, we, we describe it differently and there's a way more to it, but you know, they, they are there. But if you're trying to push through and make yourself go for the walk and eat the healthy food and stop eating at six o'clock and it, we can do it until we can't right and That's and good. that then That's we end good. up beating ourselves up and feeling hard on ourselves and it's it's if there's one thing um you know setting some beginning to think about the things we're trying to work on in not just the biological domain all of our domains right um and that uh, you know i like thinking about okay how do i want to feel <laughs> you know how do i want to i know in the pro-social domain so worried about um you know it's not just taking on the stress of others, worried about the state of the world, worried about, you know, um, my, my kid's future, all things like this. I want to feel a little bit more at peace. I want to feel less drawn in and less help, less helpless, less helpless. You know, I want to feel just a little more, right. Is one thing I want to feel in my biological domain. I I want to feel a little more energy, like a little more energy and a little less, um, like genuine energy, you know, um, I want to, I want to, you know, like I know the social domain is one that I've been thinking about a lot as, as it comes, I, you know, how do we get disconnected 
I've moved around a lot. So it's not just, it's not just COVID. Me having lived in different places mean I'm no longer um, just a, you know, a short drive away from somebody who was important in my life. I'm now like, you know, <laughs> three plane rides away. So like really beginning to kind of think, what do, what do I really want to feel and experience? Not what are the shoulds I should do? What do I want to, you know, feel is sort of something that I'm beginning to think about. So self-reg mm-hmm. is about self-compassion. It's not about going and doing a whole, you know, the bubble bath. If the bubble bath is for you, go have your bubble bath. Um, but it is also about choosing the things. This was the advice you gave me years ago. You you said, well, what what does feel like something you'd like to do? Start there. Start there. And, you know, rather than making your big list or and guilting yourself, what is something that you that you would, you know, not it, maybe it's not taking away something. Maybe it's adding something in that you do want to, you know, you do want to add in. And that actually got me unstuck years ago um, in this sort of the not no fitness kind of had gotten out of the, with an injury, gotten out of fitness. And that was really what kind of got me back into it was just, okay, I can't thou shout myself. I can't give myself another list. What do I want to do? And that was, you know, it was a bit of really good advice. So I'm just going to flip that. I've, I've kind of wandered no, the, the gamut with that. It. I think that what would you like to share with folks? I think everybody watching today, um, we all want the same thing. We want to feel healthy and happy. And that's why we did today's uh, podcast. Um, we want to give you the pathway to feeling ha- happy and healthy. And for all of you out there saying, you know, I'm too busy, there's too many things and everybody <laughs> needs me. It is not selfish. It is not a selfish thing to take time for yourself. And I look, I've been a single mom most of my life. I know it's not that easy, you know, with all kinds of things. I know it's not that easy to take time for yourself. And, you know, you have to be realistic. Um, but where can you and what can you do? And, and that's actually a generous thing to the people you love. Uh, as a as a mom of a of a daughter, set that you know it's and and I'm honoring fathers and sons out there. That's just my scenario as being a woman with a daughter. I'm trying to set the the example that you know genuine self care, not just the word and not just go and have a bubble bath, but you know these these are important. It's 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 not selfish. It's generous. It's taking care of ourselves is how we have. Um, space to take care of and think about the well being of others and. Uh, we, we care, <laughs> you matter. Uh, and without this community, um, you know, w- the work that we're doing w- would not move forward, you know, and um, we, uh, we all know Stuart doesn't like me to put him up on a pedestal, but without his, without your work, Stuart, um, you know, I'd be a different parent, I'd be a different human, I'd feel like a different person, I would definitely be living in a different place, because I, I came here for this specifically. Um, so I, I, I know that and honor that. And I thank you for constantly um, moving forward on the science, the writing, the all of those sorts of things. But I also know without this community, without this team, without yeah. the people that show up and listen to this podcast, um, you know, it could be just a nice idea on a video somewhere and, uh, and, and what fills my tank up, what makes, helps me is hearing from folks that, oh, made a little bit of a difference or I felt a little bit better. Wow. It, <laughs> it shifted my parenting or, you know, I'm not sure how yet, but the hope is there or we're like making earth shattering, you know, strides forward. That, that really is, uh filling up my cup and, and gives me a little more space to pour forward. So thank you. 
We wish you all a very happy 2023. And if you're listening to this in 2025, yay, we lasted that long. Yeah, and uh, so thank you very much. Thanks, Stuart.